and welcome to the NDRC podcast, where we speak with entrepreneurs and investors from right across the startup ecosystem. In this episode, I speak with Louise Dunn, CEO of Gliss, a platform which supports the freelance beauty industry and allows customers to book beauty appointments to their home, office or hotel. In truth, that description is probably a bit limiting. This company has come through several phases, with two fans becoming one, a legal fallout with investors, numerous pivots and many, many company names. Poker went through a lot of name changes. So we were Love Poker. We were Poker. We were Love Poker. Then we were My Poker. I remember the My Poker. My Poker, yes. Um, so yeah, so went, went through a few uh, name changes. So like it started off because it was like it was like the, the brand was you know it was meant to be like Poker up to put your lipstick on, and you know it it originally was to be like a yellow pages for our freelance beauty professionals. Like God, the time you'd spend coming up with names and everybody, all the other startups in that office used to be like, don't like, don't spend too long coming up with names. Um, and that's advice I would always give to other people now, but it's so addictive. It's so addictive. What was the, what was the worst name you came up with? Oh, well, probably Poker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> After building up their business, Louise and her then co-founder, Neve McHugh, looked towards accelerators to help their startup progress. And with that came NDRC. With NDRC, we, we, the, the first, we pitched twice before, so it was the third time we actually got in. We pitched two times, um, and the first time, I think we, we might have been just a little bit too early. Um, our team, it was the same idea? It was, still it, was, it was kind of the same idea, but we, uh, yeah, it was. It was more like, it was a bit like a yellow pages at that stage of, of a database for freelance beauty professionals. Um, we, we pitched then, um, we, we did have results, like we had some market research done, like we had, but we might have been just a little bit too early and at the time the team wasn't, it wasn't a good blend, it wasn't the right fit. So we sort of went away, re-evaluated and then when we came back um, six months later, I think it was as Pucker, we had more results, we had, we had a website, we had traction because we were a, a company that actually started to generate revenue straight away, like we built our business on a WhatsApp group. So we actually started to concierge a lot behind the scenes. We started in the June of 2016. So we had 10 female founders, I think there was 10 Launchpad, and then there was three Catalyzer. So a lot, a lot of stuff going loads. on. Loads, yeah, absolutely loads. It was brilliant, though, because it was like we were working with so many companies that were at a similar stage to us. So you said you were making, you were generating money early yeah. on. What was the first, like, sale? Like, what was the oh, first yeah. transaction? First transaction, okay, so we put up a landing page, had a phone on it, and I said, coming soon. And then we put it up. We done like we did. Is that like, with Pucker as a name or with Glist? No, uh, yeah, it was Pucker. And um, we, yeah, it was Pucker first of all. So we had that up coming soon. And what we were doing behind the scenes was trying to make an app. So we then we contacted like loads of beauty professionals. We started to promote them like via our Facebook page, um, and we had an email, and that was it. And we started to generate bookings through someone generated book through the email, booking through just an email. Um, it was like hello at Pucker, um, and then. The WhatsApp group was how we managed to book the beauty professionals, and PayPal was how we actually ended up taking payment. So I became a bit of a hacker. So I didn't know. <laughs> so I didn't. So I thought, and actually meeting the first investor I ever met, I thought that this was sort of an embarrassing thing to be saying. I was like, oh no, they're going to be like, they're going to be like, what's she doing? Because it's an amateur kind of a thing. It was right, but they loved it because it was. I was actually. This was turned. This was actually proven that this was a business. Okay. You know, we were able to. We were making money. So what, what was the first transaction? Can first transaction. Yeah, I do. It came through an email, and it was a woman. Um, it was a woman I was in Northside, and she booked our hair and our makeup. And I remember the the beauty press who did it, and they were. Uh, yeah, it was. I remember it all really well, and she paid us, and she was delighted. And, and which was the first one? She was also became a repeat customer. She actually booked like 
she booked loads of times from then on. She was someone that, so she wasn't somebody which was interesting that actually got her hair or makeup done regularly anyway. She was someone that just wanted to try this out, just saw it and was like, oh, I might try that and did. So, yeah, and then from then on, but like what this kind of like fragmented way of doing things, the PayPal, the WhatsApp, the landing page, the email, that actually, we, we learned all the logistics from doing it like that. We learned how long it took for a beauty professional to answer us you know, um, how long it took for the customer to pay the PayPal, where we better off always ringing the customer, like keep it off email as soon as, like all these things we actually learned. So it was a great way to actually start um, before we went in and spent money and developed technology. Now glist, Louise and Neve are into trouble with a falling out between the company and its early investor. After much wrangling, the two parties parted ways with Louise learning an awful lot in the process. I think one of the things that I, I would take from that experience is uh, I, I think I'd go with now if I was taking on more investment. Like I, I understand what's involved a lot more. Um, in terms of the, the terms of the terms actually, um, and in terms of the investor, I think it's really important to go with investors that are sophisticated and really experienced in investing, and they actually they've invested in multiple companies because this was our first time to take on investments. So there was a lot that that we had to learn and while on paper these investors seemed like you know that they were they were great um they probably didn't have a lot of experience they in fact they didn't in investing in startups so they might have expected a different type of relationship where i think i think it's really important if you when you take on investment that you actually you understand that you're your voice would be welcomed as an investor but they are not there to run the company that's actually my job I'm the domain expertise expert, and I I know this industry, and actually, you know, like in terms of scaling and all of that, absolutely. But I think that's important about how you manage your relationship with your investor and what what that looks like. Having finished the accelerator program at NDOC and winning awards and attracting media interest, this then experienced what Louise calls a great divorce between the two co-founders. I mean, yeah, being on your own is tough, you know, because there's, there's so much that you have to do, there's so much you have to take on. And just to be able to have that other person, like that you guys are totally fully invested in the idea and in making it work. And, you know, that we had the same vision all along as well. So me and Eva are great founders and great. We have a lot of trust for each other. And we've, I'll say we fought really well. And I, I will always say we had a great divorce because, you know, it got to a stage where, you know, we were both a bit burnt out. Um, I wanted to continue on and Neve was like, you know, she wanted to explore other options. And I fully... This was about two and a half years into it. Yeah, the- we were 2014, so this was like 2017. Kind of the summer of 2017 was when she kind of started talking about us. And I was like, look, if that, you, you do what you, we supported each other. I was like, you do what you need to do for you. And the same, she was like, I will support you if you want to continue Glist or you don't. So... I said I did, <laughs> and so and then Neve got a Neve left and she got a job. We had a big party, and it was it was great. Like you know, how long of a process was that the, for her to leave? Mm. Or um, which we it was it was it was all right. Like she, I mean, I think we started talking maybe August. I think she left maybe September. Okay, so it was a quick yeah, turnaround. Okay, kind of, yeah, it was quick enough. But I was I was alone, and you know, we had at one stage like that January we had like a team of four or five. Um, where I, I now just had I like, two interns and I was on my own and I was just like you know what I really need something good to happen for Gliss. Why did you want to keep it going? I just felt like I I I wait well I felt we had something there but take my feelings out of it like practically logically I was like you know we've I've come this far 
to just leave us. You and know? were you still taking in money at this stage? We were taking in money, but it wouldn't have been enough to like survive. Right, okay. And definitely not enough for two people. Um, barely there for one but so it, you know we definitely needed to raise money or I needed some big commercial partnership to happen that big commercial partnership is just around the corner with Louise soon sitting down with Primer owners of Pennies to discuss working together Neve left the in September and then I was sort of I really didn't know what, what to do like to, to go further into the software and then I was noticing actually the trends around the world so uh, competitors in states like Glam Squad were actually doing like these pop-ups like in chemists and um, drug stores and it was starting to happen and also I was you know Were they pop-ups to promote the service? Or? Yeah they were like, they were promoting the service they were doing like hair and makeup and you know it was it was also happening um, with Below Limited and Debenhams in the UK or had it happened at that stage but they, they did it as well they'd done a big huge contract with Debenhams so and these were these were companies that were um, they were further a bit further along than Glist but they were exactly the same as Glist but they had raised way more than Glist because we didn't even try and raise a big huge round or anything like that we, we, we it was always our plan but because I went into this this pivotal stage um, I moved into the retailer I you know I very much thought that we you know we would survive on sales with something like this so so this trend was starting to happen as the retail apocalypse was taking place around the world you know the retailers want to bring in more experiences experiences across food and beverage and um, across you know hair salons beauty all of this stuff so it was like that with Primark I started I think I talked I met them first maybe in the October and I went in because I, I you know and I, I they kind of explained what they were hoping for and their strategy and I said well, look I have the biggest database of beauty professionals in Ireland I have worked in luxury retail for 10 years and I know technology. But in general, they wanted roughly what you... There was a, there was a vague understanding that they wanted a pop-up shop and you... I was, it wasn't beyond the realms of possibility that this was what you were looking for. No, this was exactly... Like, I basically... Yeah, like, I, I said, you know, I could, could do this here. We could do it, like, everywhere. Um, and they, you know, they had, like, huge footfall in terms of the, the store. Um, and it seemed like a really... It seemed like a no-brainer, you know, it seemed like it was going to be the most profitable square meters in that store. Then so, you stepped off a curb and fell. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the thing. This was around November, and then the, leg break. The actual it was December. It was the sixteenth of December. I stepped and I slipped, and I yeah broke my ankle. But originally that was when you guys you were trying to get it in before Christmas. I was trying to get it in before Christmas, yeah. And under which, under your idea or under their idea? Under theirs, but like looking back, that would have been absolutely it would it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked. Because you were needed on site. Not even that I was needed on site. It's just there's there's a, there's so many moving parts to actually and if you can imagine, right? So you're hiring like a bunch of people, you're getting contracts for all these people between me and the people and pennies and the people you then have all of your 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 legals your commercials to do which took actually weeks you have your creatives you have your sure I remember ringing you from the hospital at one stage going is there any chance you can look over this press release like there was just so many moving parts and I was I was you know there was a lot a lot that I took on and then you have like sorry the fit out each single you know facilities health and safety each single part of actually going into a store is almost like a full-time job for one person and I remember I was like oh I know I'll get really organized I'll, I'll you know I'll use Trello and like I was like, okay, it's actually taking me too long to write stuff down now. I I just need to be there. So I did. I, I had board meetings with like a lot of the C levels and um, in Primark. And I my leg. I just have. I'd be in my cast and my, my leg would be on a chair. And we'd be just going through all of the things that we needed to do. It was an enormous project. 
it doesn't feel like it's as big, big of a project now, but it was enormous, an enormous project for both parties because they had never done this before as well. I had never done it. They had never done it. So, you know, we, we needed, all teams needed to be hands on deck. Well, I remember meeting you at the Morrison. <laughs> yes. And you, had, you, had your, you still had your leg up in a cast. Oh, yeah. And some element of good news had happened because that's why I popped in. Oh, yeah. But you were still basically stationary. And oh, yeah, I, couldn't, I could only go from Penny's to the Morrison. <laughs> and that just became like my office then for a while. I did so many yeah, things. Yeah, the laptop open. The laptop at the bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, I couldn't, uh, because I couldn't get any further. So I had to uh, like really run the whole business from there. And I, the, the, the date, so you... So you, you Snap your leg or angle yeah. on the 16th mm-hmm. of December. When did you actually get the store into Pennies? Uh, 4th of February. Were so you, we, we were you, mo- you were mobile by then, weren't you? Uh, I was still in the cast. You were still in the cast. Still in the cast. Yeah. So, yeah, I was still in the cast. But uh, I was... I was Because uh, either way, like, even if when you're still in your cast, like, you're not meant to be standing all day. You're <laughs> <laughs> a pop-up shop. <laughs> no, exactly. It's a good look for beauty, though. Yeah, oh, totally, yeah. So, so you there, you got to hire a bunch of staff. I remember seeing like always a about half a dozen yeah. people at once. That was no, there was two dozen. There was twenty four. Okay. So we yeah, we went very big very quickly. You know, in, in terms of like the sort of level of volume of customers that we were expecting. So we we hired twenty four people was was about right. Um and you know we had we had our production. This is essentially a, a, an on the spot beauty salon. It was for it was walk-ins every for bookings. it was for online. You could do online bookings. So like the Glist salon was always open. So you could do online bookings. And you could, could you also book two pennies. You, could you no, we we built our own another piece of software, um, and that was that was suitable for retail. And so we built like the actual this this like booking system that um, you know that you could just book online. So it was separate to the original Glist model and Glist software. So we built this other platform. Um, so and were there drop were there walk-ins as well? There was walk-ins. Yeah, um, there was loads of walk-ins, but but. I mean, people who we were using like Facebook ads and things like that, so you know, people were able to were able to book online, okay. and we were able to target our audience that way. Does a two pop-up shops either side of you one at the start and two at the end, wasn't there? One the at the start, um, yeah. There was an eyewear place at the start, and then kind of halfway through where during I think maybe we were in there a few months, maybe three or four months, and then uh, another another place, a nail place opened up, and, we well, and it was all beside you. So it makes yeah. sense from pennies because they basically got. A relatively speaking, a suite of services there for someone to walk yeah. in. And yeah, like it, it completely, and like this, you know, it it works really well in other stores across the world. Um, like, but for for us, you know, what was happening was that there was just so many so many learnings. Um, you know, and and because like you know, in terms of services, not to bore you with all these details, but you know, if you're getting your eyebrows and your nails done. There are services that people get done every single day. You don't need to be going anywhere. There are a maintenance service with Glist. We were hair and we were makeup. The shape of our week, we were doing like 90% of our business over three days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But yes, we were open for seven. So when you do the maths on that, we were actually trying to recover from the start of the week. So that's, that's you know, why we, we pulled out. How long, you know, how long were you there for? Uh, about 10 months. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we had this big snow as well. We had, there was a couple of factors that we were saying, you know, maybe if we give it a little bit more time, maybe with more marketing, maybe with different things, it might pick up, but it was never going to pick up to the level that we needed it to. Um, so, yeah. So we well, to hope to get into multiple stores, so the margins are narrow, at least if you spread yourself across more markets, you might get, get away with it. Is that what the logic was? Uh, I think the logic was that we'd, you know, we'd be, we'd be profitable very quickly, you know, like because of the numbers that we would have, 
sort of predicted based on kind of their pop-ups and the type of footfall that they we were expecting around that time um but yeah and, and i suppose if you if you were profitable then it would make sense to expand so the logic of course that was the logic and you know both parties were open to that but for us i mean we we funded it all so we couldn't fund anymore when we were losing money mm. so it just didn't make financial sense whatsoever so you, you tried a couple of renegotiations in those 10 months didn't you i yeah it was like, a pilot at first it was it was yeah it was a trial it was going to be like a three-month trial and um, but i suppose like opening in february as well is is actually it's you know it's you're just after january march we had that crazy snow so like the like the shop closed for two days it's never closed apparently ever mm. or the hurricane once um, so you know, so it, so we had the snow, so you know, we, we lost trade and things like that. So then we were saying, okay, like uh, you know, we're coming into April now. I mean, we'd be mad to close now. You know, we need to give the summer. We have festivals, we have weddings. We people are going on holidays. Like, of course, they're going to be using the service, and they did, but still three days a week because of what we were offering. So you know, and in terms of when it's not your store, like I can't, you know, do some plumbing and put in water so we can wash people's hair and add another service. There is red tape around working with a, with a company like that, and, and rightly so, I get it, but it has to pass through, you know, so, so for us to even, you know, add on other services or anything like that, um, or, or do be, become like a multi-service operator, you know, it just wasn't a possibility, like, at that stage. And you weren't exactly store. in control of your own prices anyway, because it was all partnership-led. So well, yeah, to and I suppose, you know, depending on the retailer, you know, exactly, it's partnership-led, and they, you know, they will want to stay within a certain price range. After pennies came and went, Louise was faced with another pivotal decision for the company, one she's currently considering. So I took a bit of time off, had a bit of reflection, and then I started to look at, like, what was actually left there with Glist, you know, so... Um, Glist is still open, um, you know, and I, at the moment I'm uh, ring fencing the assets to see, um, you know, actually what's there. So there might be potential collaboration or merger with a company that might be similar to Glist that we could do because I have a lot of data and there and there's and a bit of software as well that would be of use to companies that were earlier that have came after Glist but that are similar to Glist. But you know, I'm further down the road and we have built built software so there's there's conversations around that there's also conversations around around doing another retailer but it's not a normal retailer it's something different and it would be a partnership with a different another brand that would okay. would also be would also be kind of would that would promote themselves and list so another so, another different phase of the company another phase but you know it's kind of yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, that, that's, yeah, that's where it is. So it's, that's at a pivotal point again. But, like, I think this happens all the time with every, every single company I know. I think they just go through ups and downs. You've gone so. through enough sliding doors. I've gone, I know. And then there is the option, like, a, a couple of investors recently have asked me, would I consider raising more money? Um, but I, I actually need to see what these partnerships look like first before I even explore that route because, well, that would be great. You know, I want to I make sure that the company's in better shape. With such a storied history, Louise's learnings, which she includes in some of her lecturing at Trinity College, are a potential goldmine for fellow entrepreneurs in Ireland and abroad. I way overhired. Um, that was that was another thing. Like this is in the Primark. This sorry. is in the Primark stage. Yeah. Um, so like I, I learned a lot about about hiring and building building teams. Um, I feel I could build a perfect team with my eyes closed right now 
because of some of because of some of the things that I, I I just overhired. I I just thought that we we were too ambitious. I thought that we needed way more people than we actually did. Um, by the time I left there, I knew every by every single minute what we were spending, how much was going out the door, how much was coming in. I could literally recite it to you. And that wasn't the same as a start. No, it wasn't the same at a start because there was there was a lot of there was while I felt I was doing a lot on my own, there was a lot of people around me, mm. there was a lot of people pulling me in different directions. That piece right there, that that is actually like the most valuable piece that if I was doing it again, it's like I would know exactly, you know, under the bonnet, every single piece of the numbers that you will hope to make um straight away. And if and if that's and if you know, as you said, like if it's if it's not working early on, like I think you know you could. Was the journey difficult? More than many outsiders will probably ever know. But would Louise do it all again? And that's what someone said recently. They were like, "Would you take it back?" You know, sort of did some of the downs. I was like, "Absolutely not." Like you only get better. You only learn and get better at doing things when when it kind of goes a bit wobbly you know other if things are easy and i know i've a couple of friends in business and things are so easy and they learn absolutely nothing like i feel like i've you know i'm so much more knowledgeable from some of the things that have gone on i get it but i got i briefly met you guys when you did repair and yeah. i basically know you post Neve. yes so when things are going wrong you're you're on your toe your own mm. like that must be far more difficult than simply it's a good learning experience like this there's a fair amount of mental health involved in this yeah, as well. Yeah, I know. Like, you, you live nearby. Yeah. Uh, Penny's was nearby. Like this is a very small little yeah. bubble you were in. Yes. Like, it's, it can get pretty... And you're, you're on crutches for like three months <laughs> of it. Drinking in Morrison's yeah. with me. Like, with a laptop open. I know, yeah. Yeah, it was tough. Um, not going to lie. Uh, definitely hit some low points uh, this year. Um, you know, in terms of, like, sort of who you are. Like, I'm an, I'm an award-winning entrepreneur. And I felt like... You know, I I built all of this stuff, and in the end, like I was packing up that shop on my own. Well, I've one actually had one person help me, but you know that was sad. Do you know what I mean? To see my name in lights, actually not my name, the company name in lights, but actually literally physically being torn down in front of you. So uh, yeah, and and yeah, of course, because I, I I didn't really know what to do next because I'm like, well, we've done like there's been a few big pivots over the, the past few years, but I have to like you know, so I didn't really know what to do. So taking time off to sort of reflect and chill out and. You know, reconnect with people was actually really good for me. Um, and I think that's something that I, I know myself and I know with some of the other entrepreneurs I know in here and everything, you have to mind mind your head, mind your mental health. If it's all getting too much, take a day off. The place isn't going to burn down, you know, because when you are burnt out, you're no good to anybody. Um, and I do, I think, you know, you're definitely your, your sort of entrepreneur startup community are the people who really understand what it's like to um you know go through this kind of stuff like sometimes your friends and your family are the most amazing support but they actually don't understand why you might be so stressed over something they'd be like it's grand sure it's only and it's like no 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 it's not it's this so your 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 pals and your entrepreneur entrepreneurial community are like super important